You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Oh, my friends, the topic that we all don't want to talk about, but it's necessary because it's a thing that buys us stuff and makes sure we have a roof over our heads. I'm talking about money and you're all like, that's fine. We can deal with money later. No, you can't. No, you can't. Money pays for weddings, money pays for the rest of your life, which is the topic of today's podcast. We're talking about finance, not just finance for wedding budgeting. We're also talking about relationship budgeting, working with money with your other person, trying to get your shit together. And uh, today's lovely guest is a fellow podcaster. Gosh, I love talking to podcasters. They know their stuff. And uh, I, I just said off air, I wanted to say my guest name properly because my Australian accent uh, gets me into lots of trouble. Shana Game. Shana Game. That's my radio voice for you, is the host of Your Millennial Money. And she is here to help us get our money shit together. Welcome, Shana. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And uh, as I said off air, I've been binging your podcast, which is fantastic. And gee, you cover a lot of topics. I learned, I fist punched in the air of like, yes. And then I felt slightly guilty for using a credit card whilst listening to your show. Yeah, you know, that's sort of the double-edged sword, but you know, I I like to talk to people about money that it's all balance and that there isn't perfection, you know. So you just wake up each day and and try to do things better or different and, you know, if you don't, it's fine. I I agree. And the irony is I was in I was in TK Maxx or you might call it TJ Maxx in the States, and I was we're going on a ski trip and I was buying I went in there to buy something else. And of course, I'm like, I'll just go check some ski gear. Like I need any more (laughs) stuff. It's like, I'm already full. You don't, you just wear it for a week and then you put it back in the cupboard. And I had to stop and go, Alicia, what are you doing? You listen to a beautiful finance podcast and you're buying shit. Stop it. Oh, you helped me. Yeah. You you know, it's, uh, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, we still got to live. We still got to enjoy life. We still got to go to the store and buy stuff, you know, so we make up mm. for it somewhere else. You're right. You're right. And look, uh, we talk a lot about money when it comes to on the Bride Chiller podcast in, in the Bride Chiller community as well. And money obviously is a big driving, not a driving force, but it's a big topic of discussion when it comes to weddings about how much money you're spending, how much money you're saving. Do, do I go into debt? Uh, and, and I want to talk to you a bit about that today. But as I said in the intro, your podcast is all about the, uh, millennials, and I'm going to pretend I'm a millennial for today. Uh, um, we're, maybe we're a- all a millennial in spirit, so I, I, it's a mindset, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, I mean, some some websites say I'm a millennial, and I like those websites. But others, I'm actually a bit. Um, when people are angry at millennials, I'm not one of them, and when they are, I am one. When I'm, you know, I'm I'm pick and choose. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, we want to, I want to talk to you a lot about couple money because I think a lot of focus around weddings is just like, let's just pay for this thing and deal with it later. And then a lot of couples aren't very in tune with their financial stories and habits. So I thought this might be a great topic to, to kick off with you. Um, a little bit about, about how we, we align ourselves when we are coming together and, and how we sort of come to a, an agreement of how things work and not 
have big fights because that does cause problems. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they say that the two reasons that people get divorced are money and sex. Mm. So, um, you know, I can't help you with that sex one, but I can oh. help you with the money one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think, you know, money is just this universal taboo topic. You know, we don't go to dinner with our friends and sit down and talk about money. It just doesn't mm. come up, you know. We have a lot of, like, guilt and shame and fear and stress and all of those negative emotions around money. And so that creates a real like barrier even for ourselves mm. to, you know, make positive changes or to maybe try something different when our finances. So if we then take another person who has their own sets of beliefs and thoughts and fears and all of those same things about money, and we start putting those two people together if we don't talk about money in a real open way where we understand that the other person is coming in with their own money story and we've got our own and somehow we have to mesh those together, if we don't have those conversations really early on in the relationship, it is going to be ripe for conflict because we already don't want to talk about money. And, you know, so then when we put ourselves in a situation where there's a money issue that comes up, We've never even discussed this topic with our partner and, you know, each of us are coming at it two different ways. So I, I'm just under a strong belief personally and professionally that, you know, you can talk about money really early on in the dating process and you should not from a, a conflict, you know, a conversation topic, but from just a like, Hey, I want to understand how you grew up. I want to understand how you think, act, and feel about money. I want to understand about like some of the decisions you make without any judgment. You know, and yeah. human nature is we want to get in there and we want to judge. You know, we mm -hmm. want to say, well, you should have done, you should have did it this way. And why did you make that decision? But, you know, when we're trying to come together with money, we just really have to understand the other person first. And, you know, we also have to be able to, to have that same freedom to share ourselves. And then I think it's really about like coming together and going, okay, what are your strengths and weaknesses and what are mine? And how can we put those together so that we can actually have, you know, a partnership going forward with this money stuff and not, you know, two different people trying to attack the same thing from two different ways. And I think that's so wise of you to say, Shana, because I think a lot of people come in with going, well, this is my way of doing it. And that's why we're going to do it. And then you go, well, that's never going to work. And I'm also really yeah. happy that you mentioned um, their money story. And and, and I, I, I've um, released a book called The Bride Chiller Survival Guide. And in it, I talk about my money story and my husband's money story and how our, you know, the money story for me, you know, it goes back to our parents and how our parents taught us about money or how they dealt with money. And and in my money story, I sort of say my mom, my parents got divorced and my mom was a very like, we'll figure it out later on sort of money person. And my <laughs> dad um, was quite, uh, quite a, you know, he was um, quite blue collar, was like you never buy anything on a credit card. You very much, you know, you pay everything off, you buy quality items, but you save for them. So I had a really confusing money story. And and yet my husband grew up in a very sort of stable household where 
um, you know, he went to private school. And so and so when we came together, it was a really fucked up money story because we both had very different views about how it all worked. And I remember having our first fight as a couple. And of course, it was about money because there was nothing about our upbringing and our money beliefs that aligned. So it's taken quite a while for us to get on the same page. So I'm more than happy to talk about that sort of stuff, but I totally agree with you. A lot of people are like, I'm embarrassed or they feel shame because of debt and they don't want to disclose. And I actually think that's part of the deal when you hook up with someone on a long-term, you you know, if it's a one-night stand, you don't need to talk about your sexually transmitted debts. But, you know, it's good to be able to go, hey, guys, this is what I think. How do you feel? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you look, you're getting married. You're not just, you know, yeah, you're not just going out for ice cream with this person. Like you're putting yourself together for hopefully the rest of your life. And there's going to be so many conflicts and so many decisions and so many curveballs that come into that relationship. And you have to be able to have the freedom to talk openly about the stuff that's not so pretty, you know, the stuff that you don't really want anybody else to see or or know about you. That's, I, I feel like that is probably one of the most important parts of the equation. You know, it's not just bunnies and love and everything's perfect. You know, if you're, you know, I mean, anybody who's been married for a while understands that there's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. Yeah. And, you know, money is not something, it's not where, you know, you're just going to have one conversation about money. You're going to put a period on it and then you're never going to argue about it for the rest of your marriage. No, that's not going to happen. You know, it, it needs to be a constant uh, discussion. It doesn't have to be a a conflict discussion, but just a constant check-in, you know, a constant setting of, of goals, you know, what, what do we want our life to look like? And then how do we match the money we've got to those goals? How can we figure out to propel ourselves forward, you know, and how can we really be good teammates? You know, I, I, I know a lot of friends whose, uh, husbands, or, or wives, you know, have gotten laid off from jobs where they were earning a lot of money. And then suddenly their relationship is falling apart. Well, they were used to living in this fantasy land that everything was going to be perfect. And they, they never had these discussions. And suddenly, you know, when there's 50% less money, you, you got to figure it out, you know, yeah. and you got to figure it out fast. And all of these things can really test a relationship. But I think, you know, if you can form that partnership bond really early on and, and keep that, you know, just moving small steps forward, I think you're going to release so much of that stress and fear about money. Do you think it's the going back, I, and I'm so glad you mentioned about circumstantial, that we get quite comfortable and it can be really hard when we are faced with times of challenge. And that's just life. That's just being a human, isn't it? That we're going to have times that are going to be rocking and other times that things like the carpet is pulled over under your feet and you're like, okay, I don't have a job or we've got to move home or something happens or we are incapacitated. I mean, I think a lot of people don't want to ever think about not being able to work due to injury or illness. And unfortunately for a lot of people that might be a reality. So we do have to think about these, having a game plan, I suppose, to how we make this work or what sacrifices what what we could do to change the game when it comes to um, money and how to make it work. But these, I think sometimes when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're like, oh, that'll happen. That's years away. That won't happen for a long time. 
So do you, wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you thinking about, especially from your audience and your experience with this topic, do you think that is a mindset of 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 our generation of <laughs> that shit's not going to go down and we're going to be fine and not really think about it too much, or are we, or are we more responsible than that? I, you know, I still think it's a little bit of an equal mix. I, I think that a lot of the younger millennials these days, they've seen a lot of struggle, maybe not in their life, but, you know, in their parents' life, especially in America, you know, we had a massive uh, stock decline in 2008, 2009. And mm. I think a lot of those younger millennials witnessed struggles and defeats with their parents or family members that, you know, I think really shook them to the core. And yeah. it's influencing a lot of the money decision making that that these millennials are making now when they're out in the workforce and they're having to make money decisions. But, you know, I think with with youth, there's always that glorious thought that everything is just always going to be on the rise and be perfect. I and mean, that's probably just, you know, part part of human nature. It's probably just you know, it's a good thing, I think. Um, I agree. So I think there's, I think there's still a mix in there. I think, it, and I'm so glad you said it because I didn't want people to be going, oh, Alicia's just blaming the millennials because I'm certainly not. But I do think there's an element and I've experienced it in my life where I'm like, yeah, we'll deal with it later. And I'm sure our parents went through the same thing when they were being told off for not liking, you know, that they were too focusing too much on Elvis and wearing short skirts. <laughs> <laughs> but Absolutely. It, you know, every generation would be receiving the same advice like that. But it, it's sort of interesting as well. I know a, um, I'm a contract worker. I, money comes and goes, and it's interesting talking to my dad about it and my grandfather as well because he thought I was constantly unemployed. And I'm like, no, it's just I work in TV. The, you know, you do two-month contracts and you move on to the next thing. And he was always – He's like, are you going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? And I'm just like, it's just contract, it's contract work. It's fine. But um, I feel I feel like our generation as well is a little bit more attuned to um, the, in, the the changes in employment, and we're a bit more go getter in in the fact that we do change jobs quite a lot more. I'm sure you've got better access to stats mm. than I have on hand right now. But um, do you think we're a little bit more? Not casual, but a little bit more at ease with change and and actually adapting to change when it comes to cash and our financial situations. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. You know, I'm not sure if we're more comfortable with it, but I think it's certainly a bigger facet of most of our lives. You know, the uh, job market isn't necessarily what it used to be. And so, you know, there's popular talk about, you know, having side hustles and, you know, a lot of people are entrepreneurs and, you know, going out there to forge their own ventures. And so I think that, you know, there may, there may be some comfortability with that, but I think it's just, you know, this is sort of the new market that we're in, the new way that we are shaping our lives. And so, you know, we have to adjust to those, you know, fluctuations in income. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 19 in college. And so, you know, I completely understand it's, you know, it's navigating some interesting waters, you know, when you, uh, have to figure out how to flow your income. It, it's certainly not an easy thing, and it can add a lot of stress. It can add stress to relationships. Um, you know, it can it can be it can be tricky, and that's why you know I think being on top of your money as much as humanly possible is really going to benefit you in the long run, and it's going to help remove 
a stress. Like so many people tell me, well, I don't want to deal with my money because I'm so stressed out already. And I'm like, yes, but not dealing with it is making the stress worse. And you could, you could have just like three or four little, little checklist items every week that you need to do just four little things or three little things. And just doing those in a small fraction of time will really help, I think, pull that stress off of you. Let's tell, let's talk about that then. What are some of the things that you have that you could guide us for those checklist items? What are things that people can do to relieve some of that stress that, that they might be feeling with money? Yeah, you know, um, I'm also a certified financial planner. So I've had a private practice for years and years and have worked with uh, a lot of different clients from various incomes, you know, everything from, you know, a, a small income, 30, 40,000, all the way up to millions and millions of dollars. And what I can tell people is that we are really all more alike than we are different, regardless of income. But the one thing that I have seen make the biggest difference in any income level we're talking is if you are actually tracking where your dollars are going. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest shift that will take place in your finances because when you're tracking what you're spending your money on, and I'm talking every single penny, when you're tracking that, you have power over your bank account. You can make changes and shifts and redirect money in powerful ways that will help you achieve your goals. If you don't know where your cash is going, you can't make any of these changes. So one of the best things you can do every week, whether you put it on a post-it note, a piece of paper, put a note in your phone, or you use a app, um, whatever you're comfortable with, is just tracking where your money is going every week. And there's something about the brain connection with looking at what you're spending your money on, you suddenly have this awareness of like, ooh, oh, maybe I should cut back on some of those coffees. Or, nah, I really like the coffee. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out some other thing to do to make this work, you know? So it just it gives you the permission, you know, to make certain choices with your money. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably I have found the most powerful thing. And it's the most simplistic thing too. You know, I think being smart with your money is not about all these complex strategies and, and tips and techniques. It's about the little foundational stuff. And then you, you know, you build on top of that, um, you know, and then it's just creating a habit too around. Um, so every Sunday I spend about 10 minutes to look at what we spent money on, to look at what's coming up uh, the next week and to kind of just say, oh, all right, are there, is there any goal we need to refine or reshape? And then I'm done. I'm done checking with my money, you know, for that week. It doesn't take more than 10 to 15 minutes, but creating a calendar item or, or scheduling some sort of uh, meeting for yourself where you just do a little check-in, that's going to help take a lot of stress off of you because you know what's coming up, but you can also, you know, give yourself a little reward for for doing it every week. I think that's, that's a, a powerful part of managing your money too is going, you know, I'm going to take... 20 bucks and I'm going to go do something, you know, that I want to do because I know that I'm spending time and my money and I'm, I'm in a good place. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I think also making it like a date night or something and making it, as you said, not, not yes. a pleasant experience that you're like, oh, I fucking hate doing this. Yeah. Grab a glass of yes. wine, grab, grab some wine, grab a snack, you know, what? 
take yourself to the restaurant or the park or wherever you feel comfortable, make it into an experience, not into something that you dread. Because, you know, I, I think it, like we're taught to dread these things, but I'm like, this is your cash. Like you work hard for this cash. Don't you want to see it go places? Like, you, you know, you need to be the CEO of your bank account. You need to get in there and, you know, give it some, uh, give it some direction. There will be more with the host of Your Millennial Money, Shana Game, after this break that's full of lovely things to buy and cracking deals. That's all the voices I've got for you. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel scared of the hustle. And, and I say hustle as in being empowered. And I know that's a really big message in your show and what, what you project to your listeners. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're bringing those vibes here too, because I think a lot of people are, uh, well, especially a lot of people with nine to fives as well. And, and this is not, I, I, you know, mm. I'm certainly not dissing the normal regular people who make normal regular money, Shana, because I, I've, I'm like you. I'm, I've, I've had certainly had day jobs, but I'm in, my spirit, I'm certainly an entrepreneur and I think that's the draw. I love that feeling of being my own boss and making my own things. But it can feel hard when taking control of it can be really challenging for a lot of people. And as you said, sitting there and talking about mm -hmm. it and actually owning it and saying, especially if there's debt involved as well. And I go back to that I say shame and I don't I don't mean to make people feel bad. I think a lot of people attach um feelings of shame to debt when you're like, listen, turn it around. You find ways to pay it off. Let's work out um, you know, mm -hmm. solutions rather than not opening the credit card statement. Uh you need to come up with a way to transfer debt or, you know, find other solutions. I know you do talk about that a lot on yep. your show. It's how to turn it around and make the money work for you. How about people, young people going in facing bringing debt into relationships? What are some of the advice you could give us about how to manage that and factor that into to, to new relationships, but also moving into the future together and trying to create financial goals with this weight of debt as well. Yeah, I mean, that is that is such a powerful question. And so many couples deal with this. And, uh, you know, I think it's really about a process of like becoming, you know, naked, if you will, with yeah. your partner first of saying, here's how much debt I've got. Like, here is the reality of the situation. For whatever reason, it doesn't even matter now you're in X amount of debt. You know, so let's not bring more guilt and shame and grief about that. Let's figure a plan to go forward. And, you know, just like I was talking about every couple has a strength and weakness. Well, maybe your weakness is that you can't figure out how to get out of this yep. debt. You know, maybe you can't put... um you know, guidelines around your spending. Maybe you need somebody to help you. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think it's, you know, having this open, honest conversation. And then, you know, you, you have to, unfortunately, when you're in a debt situation, you have to make some choices. And it's usually a choice between two things you don't really want to do, <laughs> you know? So, you have to make some step and some choice that you're going to stop spending in a certain way or stop, you know, something that is, is causing this debt to increase. It's either that you're living well above your means 
And, you know, maybe there's a reality check of like, well, maybe we need to move into a smaller mm -hmm. place or maybe we need to get rid of one of our cars just temporarily so we can get rid of some of this debt. Or, you know, maybe we need to better one of our credit scores so we can have access to a different kind of loan or a lower interest credit card. You know, it's, it's really about putting on your thinking a cap and saying, okay, we're in this situation, but how can we start making small steps to get out of this situation together? Yeah. And that is part of the deal, isn't it? We're signing up for lots of good yeah. times, lots of good strategy working together and setting goals in the future. I think that's what's exciting about being in love and being in a relationship is that you want to do stuff together. And that means problem solving as well. Yeah. And I would say, you know, a, a lot of times, especially younger couples, you know, there's a real trend right now of uh, blogs or even some podcasts uh, you know, highlighting people who have like, I've paid off $90,000 in the past two months. And all of these stories that I think put more pressure on people because it feels really unrealistic. But what a lot of people aren't sharing behind the scenes is the struggle that it's taken them and all the things they're giving up to pay off that debt. But I think it's also sending a message that you have to be debt free to be perfect, which is wrong. Mm. And also that once you're debt free, if you go back into debt, then, you know, you're a terrible, horrible person, which isn't true. The reality of life is we're going to go in and out and in and out and in and out of debt. You know, we've got to make smart money moves as we, you know, navigate through those waters. But if you have debt, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. If you go back into debt, it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. And so I think as a society, we need to, uh, you know, just take some of that pressure off. Yeah, and and as, it's so funny with debt. And I know a lot of people have uh, education debt, which sucks that we even have to be living in a time, yeah. you know, I mean, in Australia, 30 years ago, education was free, you know, so and our, my parents um, sort of, uh, well, yeah, my parents age where they were all like, no, we're going to have free education. And then of course, they changed the game. And um we all have to take out loans. Mm -hmm. And I know in the States, it's incredibly huge amounts of money mm -hmm. people borrow and it's for their livelihood. So I know a lot of people struggle with that. And to me, the fact that that then affects, you know, it can go on and affect 20, 30 years of their lives mm -hmm. in the future. It's incredibly challenging. So um, by no means am I suggesting that debt's just people going and buying shoes on credit cards. And if it is, good for you. I hope the shoes were worth it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Me too. But I'm so glad that you, you know, you spoke about that in such a sort of uh, succinct way. Cause I, I do think we, we, we do need to, you know, face up, figure out solutions, move on and build together because without that sort of teamwork, it's not going to uh, help anyone. And you're just going to be battling, you know, it on your own. And that's not, that's not cool. It's not what anyone wants to enter into a relationship doing. What are some of the things, Shana, that you've seen um, recently looking at money management and you talked about apps and I know that you have lots of guests on your show that come and talk about, um, you know, lots of different ways to, to manage money. Not to put you on the spot here, but what are some things that bride chillers and groom chillers could be doing right now to make sure after the wedding they've got their money shit in order? Are there simple apps, processes we could be following <laughs> especially from your professional viewpoint as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the key is finding what's going to work for you as a couple. And sometimes that takes trying a couple of different things. You know, if you love apps, there are some great ones. Um, a couple of my favorites are You Need a Budget and Clarity Money. Those are great at helping you set goals and then figure out what the hell you're spending mm. your money on. Um and they're simple, simplistic. It takes a little time to get it set up, but once it's set up and going and both partners can have uh, access to the account so you can see what's going on. So those are great. Um, you know, there's apps like Acorns and Digit that help you with your savings and help kind of auto uh, put put your savings on auto debit, if you will, and help those savings grow in powerful ways. So again, if you if you love apps, there has never been a better time than now to get your money stuff together because really for anything that you uh, struggle with or that you want help with, there is an app yeah. out there for you to make it really easy for you. Um, but, you know, some people don't like apps and that's totally fine. Don't feel like you have to fit in that mold. You know, if if you and your partner prefer to keep a, you know, piece of paper log of what you're spending your money on or, um, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it may be, it's perfectly acceptable. It's just about finding the process that's going to work for you. And then I think, you know, just the other real key is calendaring that money date with your partner where you are going to just have a fun, empowered conversation about money. And even if it's tough stuff you got to deal with, you know, you're going to deal with it and then you're going to move on. That That's so important and so key. And I always tell people, you know, What's worked for me, what I've seen work with a lot of couples is where one person is actually the CEO of the money. You know, they're the person that's in the bank accounts every day. They're watching stuff. They're setting goals. And the other person is the point person. You know, they're the one um, that are obviously in there on all the money dates and they're helping the system move along. They know what they got to do, how much money they need to spend, all of those sorts of things. And sometimes it's just a process of setting those different roles. So, you know what position you're playing. I like that. And I think, you know, I I think there are people in relationships that love all of the money, love all the numbers, love all the spreadsheets. And then there's people like me who are like, oh, I couldn't be fucked. It all seems like too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and not to say I'm irresponsible. Yeah, you got to yeah, know yourself. I, I'm not irresponsible. Yeah, and you got to know yourself and own yeah. up to it, you know. And I, I think, think that's I'm awesome. Clear, and, and I'm certainly not someone that doesn't, I'm organized and I'm diligent, but I've never been a mathsy person. I'm more of a creative, let's draw a picture person. Whereas my husband, you know, is a computer programmer, <laughs> architect person who's very, is it right side, left brain? I can't remember which one it is. The numbers side of the brain. He's the left, left brain, brain. on the right yes. brain. And I think we work well when, you know, we find, you find what you're good at and find the other person is maybe good at something else. <laughs> That's life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's partnership for you. That is the beauty of partnership right and, there. And, you know, I think, um, I know in the States, I, I don't want to mention, because um, I'm in the UK and I keep seeing all these apps that are connected to bank accounts and that will move things in and out. And, you know, um, there's one uh, app at the moment, and this is stupid mentioning apps and not mentioning their names because I can't remember it, Shana, but um, it's saying that it it moves <laughs> all of the, if you've got $399.28, it'll move the 28 cents. Mm. It always keeps rounding things down every time you use money. It rounds mm. it into a savings account. And I was like, that actually is a cute mm. idea because you're not going to, 
you're not going to miss the 28 cents or the dollar 28 each time. It just gets chucked away. So I think there's lots of novel, interesting technologies out there, which I'm sure is a whole nother podcast that we could be talking about. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think there is certainly lateral thinking ways of saving and moving money around as well, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go us. Token millennial Alicia. Go everyone. Go everyone. <laughs> uh, Shana, if people would like to learn more about what you do and, of course, subscribe to your podcast because it's excellent, it's full of information, full of value and interesting things, where should they go and can they contact you? Is that allowed? Absolutely. So you can find the podcast Millennial Money on iTunes or any of your popular uh, podcast players. Please subscribe. We do a five day a week podcast, lots of different subjects, ideas, and just lots of different wisdom, I think, to help you, you know, unlock uh, those places in yourself where maybe you feel stuck Mm. around money. And you can certainly head over to my website. It is yourmillennialmoney.com. There's a contact spot on uh, the website as well. You can send me a message, send me a question that you have about money. Every Friday, we cover a different question. And I would love to hear I from think, you. I uh, think this is the perfect place for bride chillers to go and learn more about money. And I know it's something I'm really, uh, especially I think with women and money as well, I think sometimes... Um, and I, and I know we're in a really good time of empowering and making everyone feel like they can do whatever they want as it should be. But I think sometimes women aren't given enough, uh, empowerment when it comes to managing their own money. And I'm so encouraging of everyone to know what they have, know what they're earning, know where the money's going and get out of the fifties, uh, when it comes to managing the cash that you earn. That was a little bit of feminism for everyone. Shana. <laughs> I love well, it. Just it. Makes, I mean, some people are like, I don't know, my husband pays for the health insurance. You're like, you should know this shit. You should know where it's going. And I, I agree with everyone having their own um, jobs and structures in their relationship. You should also empower yourself with knowledge and just know where, where your money's going and what's happening. Yes. It doesn't mean that you have to do it all, but just have access to it and know it. I've watched too many Julia Roberts movies to know that things can go wrong. <laughs> absolutely yes yeah i mean you gotta you gotta know what's going on there's exactly. nothing wrong with that there you go go and search the internet for bank details right now bride chillers and groom chillers that was weird um thank you so much shana and I, i'm i really am enjoying listening to your show i have subscribed and uh i may even send a money question your way myself <laughs> Ooh, i want to i want to talk about cryptocurrencies i'm obsessed Oh, that is a, that is a, and I, and I, yes, it's probably for another time. Okay. Thank you so much, Shana. I really appreciate it. Shana Game, yourmillennialmoney.com is where you'll find out more information. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day. 